Alright, we'll say good morning. We're going to start a few minutes early. We have to, I apologize in advance. We have to stop a few minutes early. Baruch Hashem, I have a bris to go to. So, mazel tov, mazel tov. So, we'll say, so, let's, so let's begin. So today's daf. What is today's daf? Today's daf. Let's do lamed. We'll do lamed today. Alright, so today's daf is... Right, why not? It's a good, it's a good day for lamed. Right, so we'll do daf lamed today. Meretz Hashem 30. We are going to pick up in Meretz Hashem at the bottom of Chof Tes Amud Beis. So we left off Ela Amar of Ashi. So we left off 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 lines up from the bottom. So the Gemara says the following. Ela Amar of Ashi. So we'll remember, we're trying to figure out the case of the, of the menorah in the Rishus Harabim. And remember, I know, it's, I, 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 was thinking of a, I, was, I was thinking of a better formulation, but yeah, that's, it is what it is. So, so, the, so the, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So says the Gemara. So also remember again, we had an interesting brisa, and the brisa spoke about the idea. The brisa said, that if somebody literally lifted up dung or, or the or the manure in the rishosarabim, literally turned it over, and then someone else is injured by it, the one who lifted it up and turned it ultimately again is chayiv in damages. So that, that's, that's what we spoke out. So we're trying to figure out what that case is. What is the case of where the person lifts it up and ultimately is then chayiv for it? So it says the Gemara, Mishlosha. Oh, so Ravashi says the case is where what? You lifted it up, but you lifted it up less than three tfachim. What's the chap in that? So if you lifted it up less than three tfachim, Rashi says, so listen to this. So the case over here suggests Ravashi is where the person lifted up the menorah less than three tfachim. Now remember again, what's the chap with less than three tfachim? Less than three tfachim is lavot. It's still considered to be attached to the ground, which means that you haven't done a, a significant act of agba. So in a case where a person has lifted it up less than gimel and has not had in mind to acquire the manure, then in a case like that, when a person simply puts it back down, they will not be chayiv for nezikin. So it says the Gemara, my duchkei drabalazer, my duchkei drabalazer, la okmekigon shaf, kalafachos mi gimel, v'tayma dechines, so why, so now ask the Gemara, so now, why Rav Ashi, according to you, why does Rabbi Lazar have to go out of his way to set up the case as a situation where a person lifted up and turned over the menorah less than three tfachim? And the reason why he's not higher for subsequent damages is why. And the only and the reason he's not chayiv is because he didn't have in mind to acquire the menorah. But had he had in mind to acquire the menorah, he would be chayiv for damages. Look, Why don't you instead go ahead and set up the case as where he lifted it up more than three tfachim? And why don't you say the following? Once you lift it up more than three tfachim, even if what? Even if what? Even if Lemaisa again, even if Lemaisa you didn't have in mind to go ahead and acquire it, you should still be chayir for that. Because Rava said the mission itself is problematic or difficult to understand. How so? Why does the Braisa say that he turned over the menorah? Meaning, why do you use that lashon of hafach? Why don't you use the lashon of what? Higbia. You lift it up. So the Gemara my area hafach. Lusni higbia. Say he lifted up. Elish mamina. Kol hafach lemata mishloshu. Rather learn out from here that what? Any case of turning over something is by definition less than three tfachim. So also interestingly enough, what the Gemara just pointed out, and this is actually a good tool for your Gemara toolbox, is 
The lush hagba, hagigba, usually means more than three tfachim. Hafach, right, means less than three tfachim. Says that Therefore, if you had in mind, so either one of two cases, either case number one is where you lifted it up more than three tefachim, in which case you acquire the manure, and if subsequently someone is injured by it, you're chayiv for it, or if what, if even less than three tefachim, but what, you had in mind to acquire it, you'll be chayiv as well. So the Gemara says, Mid Rebbe Lazar, Amr Chayiv, Rabbi Yochanan, Amr Pater. So the fact that Rebbe says, Your Chayiv indicates to us what Rabbi Yochanan says, that your, that your Pater, first white line, and me and my Rabbi Yochanan Hachi, did Rabbi Yochanan really say this? Vahatinan, we learned, Bos is actually going to be our next Mishnah. Vahatinan, we learned, Hamatsnia Sakots, Vesaschuches, Vagoder. So Bos if a person puts, a person literally hides, a coat is a thorn. Zuchuches ultimately are glass shards. We'll see he's hiding this ultimately in a wall. Vahagoldir gidro mikbikotsim, or one goes ahead and builds a wall out of thorns. Vigeder shenafaloshu sarabim, or you have a wall that fell into sarabim. Vohozak bahen. Acherin, we'll say all of these cases, someone is injured. Chayiv binisko. So we'll say ultimately the owner of the wall is chayiv in damages. Rabbi Yochanan said, This is only true. And we'll say specifically focusing on, let's say, the thorn wall. When are you chayiv if somebody is damaged on the thorn wall? Only b'mafriach. Rashi says, Mafriach rosh kitsoseha b'rushus arabim, dahavilei barbishus arabim. Rabbi Yochanan says the only time your chayv is when is when you allowed your thorn wall to grow out into the public domain. Then you are chayv for any damages ultimately that occur. But if you keep the wall within your rishos hayochid, then literally what? You are potter if somebody gets injured on it. So the Gemara says, Mitzan same, my time a potter. So why is it that if a person keeps the thorn wall within the rishos hayochid, ultimately they're potter. The reason is because it's true it's a bar, but at the end of the day it's a bar in my rishos. So you can infer from that that's what? That Rabbi Yoch, although Rabbi Yochanan exempts you for a bar birshus hayochid, bepashtos he would obligate you in what? In a bar birshus harabim. Alma, what do you see from here? Mafkir nizak of chayiv. So, so what do you see from here? You see from here that even, it's going back to yesterday's discussion, that even if you go ahead and you render your bar ownerless in Rosh Sarabim, you are still chayiv ultimately for what? For any damages that occur. To which the Yomar says, the olam eimel achab mafkir nizak of pater. No, it's not true. In reality, maybe even Rabbi Yochanan holds that even if you're mafkir, your damage-causing property, you're still potter. Umitzam say my time a potter. And why is it that if a person keeps their thorn wall limited to their shayach and someone gets injured on it, why is it that I'm potter? Because it's not the derech of people to rub themselves against walls. In other words, people are generally careful not to walk up scraping right against the wall. So if somebody scrapes up against my thorn wall, that's their negligence and not my liability. Rabbi Yochanan really say this. So the Yomar Savam, Rabbi Yochanan, Halachik is Stan Mishnah. Rabbi Yochanan said, the Halacha follows the Stan Mishnah. And what does the Stan Mishnah say? Utnan. Hachofer Barbir Shos Harabim. So also remember again, the fundamental Machlokis we're trying to figure out over here is, Lemaisa again, if I have a damaging object in Rosh Harabim, and I mafkir it, I declare it ownerless, 
Am I responsible for the damage is done or not? The Gemara is suggesting that this is a machlokus between Rebbe Lazar, ultimately again, and Rebbe Yochanan. We've established that Rebbe Lazar holds that mafkir nezokov, that if one is mafkir is damaging property, and the property does damage, he's chayiv, and therefore we infer from that that Rebbe Yochanan holds that you're potter. The Gemara is challenging that assertion. Does Rabbi Yochanan really say this? Rabbi Yochanan said that What does the Stam Mishnah say to Nan? If one digs a pit in a Shusarabim, then not follow Socho Shar, O Chamar Umeis. And Ruvain's Shar or his axe falls into it and dies. Chayf. Let's say, what do you see from there? Let's say, that, would, that would appear to be a case of mafkir nezaka b'rshosarabim. Right? I'm going ahead and what? I'm digging a pit in rshosarabim. I'm being mafkir it. I'm declaring it ownerless. And yet what? I am still liable for damages that occur. Uh, the say, it seems to be from here that Rabbi Yochanan would concur with Rabbi Lazar. Uh, so say, no, we reverse course a little bit. Rabbi Yochanan is one who says that even if you declare your property owner lives in Rishon and it does damage. You are high for that damage. Therefore, therefore, we'll say if Rabbi Yochanan is going to say you're chayiv, then we have to infer from that that's what that Rabbi Lazar says you're potter. So the Gemara says really, Vahama Rabbi Lazar, top of Lamed, Mishnah Rabbi Shmuel. But Rabbi Lazar, here's the problem, right? Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar was, was said in the name of Rabbi Shmuel before that what that Lamaisa again. There are two things that are not in your Rishos, but the Torah places them back in your Rishos. Remember what were the two things? What were the two things? Chametz on Pesach, or Chametz Misheshos from six hours on, and Bar Bishos Haradim. So it's clear that according to Belazar, Belazar holds that even if you make your damaging property hefker, you are still responsible ultimately for what? For damages to which the immersive lokasha, it's not a contradiction, hadidei, hadrabei. Two different opinions. One is his opinion about Sayyidina Belazar's personal opinion is that what? That one is not chayiv for damage done by property that he has made hefker. And opinion number two, ultimately, again, is the opinion of his Rebbe. And his Rebbe holds like Rabbi Yochanan, that one, in fact, is chayiv for damage done in Rishos Arabim, even if he made the property hefker. Fine. Says the Mishnah, I poured water in Rishos Arabim, and someone slips on it. Someone slips on it. And is damaged. Ta'aloch is chayiv in I, I, the water pour, am chayiv for damages. Hamatznias akotz ves hashuches ves. So we'll say if somebody places a coat as a thorn, a zechuches is a shard of glass, and we'll see what's happening over here. Is I'm placing it in a wall. Vageder as kidro bekotzim, or somebody constructs a wall out of thorns. Vageder shenafalosh sarabim vehozak pahenachedim. Or or we'll say what happens? The wall falls down, and people in the sarabim are injured by it. Taloch is in all these cases chayiv beniskan. I am responsible for any damages that occur. So says the Gemara, Amurav, Lo Shanu Ella, Dinitfu Kela Benayim. So we'll say, Rav's beginning with the water case. Remember again, the Mishnah began with the water case. I pour water in the Shusarabim, and somebody is damaged. Somebody is damaged. Rav says, What kind of damage are we talking about? It's about damage to one's clothing. So for example, I pour water, Reuven comes along, and his clothing gets soaked and gets ruined. Right? So now the Mishnah, Rav says, the Mishnah tells me, I'm responsible for that. So it says, the Gemara, who atzma potter? This is very interesting. But if Reuven comes along and Reuven slips on the water, and what? And he gets injured, I am potter. Why am I potter? This is amazing. The Gemara says, karka olam hezikaso. Because in reality, I did not injure Reuven. What injured Reuven? The land. Right? The land meaning, I didn't cause the injury. I, I, I didn't do anything. The mice, again, I slipped. 
But the slippage itself, it's not the slippage that causes the injury. What causes the injury? The impact on the ground. So Lamaisa again, Lamaisa again, I did not do the damage. To which the Gemara says, I'm going to have Lo Yehei Ella Kirif Show. So we'll say, so, so Rav Huna says, but one second, it's not really true. Meaning, the water falls on the ground. The Pashas, the water creates mud. Rav Show is like his mud. The water creates mud. And therefore, Lamaisa, again, it's the mud that ultimately he trips in. And that, so it's the mud that's responsible for the damage. If you look at Rashi, Lo Yehei Ella Kirif Show, Rashi says, Hamashlech Zavala Bershos Arabim. One of those books, actually, literally, it's, it's, the, it's, his, it's his waist. Remember, we spoke about the idea that one is permitted at certain times of the year to empty out their septic tanks. We'll talk about this more in a little bit. In Turush Sarabim, Milo Mechayiv, Kilo Efkiro, Hachinami Rev Shahu, Da Aske, Shenis Arbu Hamayim Va'afar, Venasis Tit, Vishalohu, Midimokila Betin of Kilo, Mechladolo Afkare, the Habarlo Chayv Kilo. So we'll say, so without getting into the technicalities of Yerash, he's going to teach us this has to be a case of where he didn't relinquish ownership over the water. Because if he relinquished ownership over the water, then it's bar. And if it's bar, you're not Chayiv for damage to Kalim. Right? We know this is a special exclusionary. So well, I, it's, not, it's not, we don't have to be focused on this point. The point over the Gemara is making over here is how can you tell me that I'm exempt for the water? The water itself should be like mud. Right? Let me say again, just like if I empty out my mud, I empty out my waste. Even if I have permission to do so, I'm responsible for damages. I should be responsible for damages here also. So the Gemara says, do you think this is a case ultimately again where the water was not absorbed into the ground? No. This is the case. And therefore Rashi says, you're assuming when you say mud that the water collected on the top of the ground and formed mud. That's not the case. The case over here is where the water was totally absorbed by the ground and therefore what? There was no mud. There was no mud. Therefore, there might be some moisture on the top of the ground, but that type of moisture ultimately, Rav suggests that what? That Lamaisa, again, he's not injured by the water, but ultimately he's going to be injured by the impact with the ground. And it happens to be, we don't pass him that way. We ultimately understand that, again, if he slips on the water, the, bal, the balamayim, the owner of the water will be high. But again, nevertheless, an interesting assertion. So the Gemara asks, Vitarti Lamali. So we'll say, now, essentially what the Gemara is saying over here is, I have two cases that teach me this, meaning the last two Mishnayis essentially say the same exact thing. So this Mishnah is talking about, again, if I, if I pour water, ultimately, again, and somebody slips on the water. And the previous Mishnah was, my jug broke, my jug broke. And remember, again, we also established that case as water being poured into the Rosh Hashanah first when I was slipping, right? Niskal, as I tripped, the water falls into the Rosh Hashanah. So they asked Nimara, why do you need two Mishnayis that teach me the same exact case? Vetarti Lamali, Oh, because we're also referring to two different time frames. One is talking about the summer, and one is talking about the winter. So we'll say, what's the chap between the summer and the winter? So remember again, remember again, that in the summertime, the halacha is, you don't have the right to empty out your septic tanks or your water pipes into Rosh Hashanah, but in the winter time, you do. Therefore, I will say, I might have thought that, for example, I understand if you tell me that during the summertime, if I spill water in Shurabim and somebody slips on it, I'm chayiv, because no, there's, no water in Shurabim, uh, there's no water in Shurabim in the summertime. Therefore, if I spill water and somebody gets damaged, I'm chayiv. But in the winter, when everyone is dumping out their stuff, everybody is, you know, is, is allowing their, their, their water, their waste to fall into Shurabim, I might have thought that's what, that if I go ahead and I spill some water and Ruben slips on that, that I'm not going to be chayiv because I almost have a reshus 
to go ahead and spill water. Halacha l'maisa, that's not true. I'm going to be chayif still even in the winter. Desanya, because we'll say we learned, call elush amru poskin bivosein v'garfim morosein bimosachama. We'll say all of those situations where we say that you're permitted, poskin bivosein v'garfim morosein means you're allowed to empty out the pipes with waste. You're allowed to clean out the septic tanks into the shasarabim during the winter, so the Gemara says, I'm sorry, the halacha is that you're permitted to clean out your septic tanks and your waste pipes in the winter, because remember again, the winter is the rainy season, the roads are ruined anyway, but in the summertime, you may not do this. But here's the Chavar Even though during the winter I have the right to clean out my septic tanks, into the Shusarabim, in his Ziko, Chayavim Lashalim. Bosa is an incredible Yisod. In other words, sometimes you have the Rishus to do something, but that doesn't absolve you of responsibility. So I have Rishus to go ahead and empty out the septic tanks. But I still have responsibility to guard the public from damage. Therefore, the novelty I think I was talking to me over here is the same way in the Mishnah. One Mishnah is talking about the summertime, and if I spill water and someone goes down and slips on it, I'm chayf. So we'll say that's quite obvious to us. The greater novelty is the winter time, where there's water anywhere in the Rabbim. I might have thought that I shouldn't be liable if Reuben slips on the water because there's water everywhere. Kamash no, that if Reuben slips on the water, I am chayev for that damage as well. Why? Because even in times of year where you have the right, where you have the license to empty things out into Rosh Hashanah, I might have the license to place it there, but that license does not absolve me of personal responsibility. <coughs> Remember again, the case of the Mishnah was, a person hid a thorn, so the other piece was that a person built a built a wall of thorns, and someone gets injured. Me, someone will say someone in the Rishus Harabin gets injured on that. So the Gemara says, We just learned this before. That's only true if what if you allowed your thorn wall to extend out to extend out into Rishus Harabin. same low. But if you keep your thorn wall within what? If you keep your thorn wall within your property, then you're not going to be chayv if somebody gets damaged. My time apart. Why is that? Because as we said before, it's not the derech of people to walk rubbing up right against the wall. So if somebody walks up rubbing up right against the wall, that's their liability. Tan Rabban, and is an interesting case. So listen to this. Reuven has a wall. I decide to go ahead and store my thorns or to store my glass shards in Reuven's wall. Now I'm doing this without Reuven's knowledge. So what happens? Reuben decides to take down his wall. He knocks down his wall. And what happens? So what comes flying out? The shards or the thorns. And it ends up injuring someone else. So what's the The person who stored the objects in the wall will be for any subsequent damages that occur. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan qualifies this, 
Well, so that's only true if it was a rickety wall. Look at Rashi. Because the person who stored the object in the wall should have realized, you know what, if this is a rickety wall, chances are that's what? The owner is going to be taking this down sometime soon. And therefore, if he put his stuff in there, he's liable for any damages it subsequently causes. But I will say, if it's a solid wall, listen to this. Hamatsniya Potter v'chayev balakosa. Well, it's actually very dramatic halacha. But if it's a solid wall, then what? Then lemaisa again, the person who placed the objects in there is freed from responsibility. But the balakosa, the owner of the wall, is chayev. Rashi says dahavi leilatzninu. So we'll say this is actually amazing. By the way, this also tells you just about the credible responsibility you have to safeguard the public from damage. In other words, if I'm taking down a wall, essentially what the halacha is saying is that what? Is that what? It's my responsibility to make sure that there are no hazards in that wall. Even though, again, what right do you have to be placing stuff in my wall as the Baal as the Balakosel? The Balakosel, right? Then ultimately, again, I am responsible for any potential damages that would come down from taking down that wall. So therefore, I will say again, if it's a rickety wall, the person who placed the stuff in there, he's going to be high because don't place your stuff in rickety walls that you know are going to come down. But if it's a solid wall, and there's no reason to assume the Balakosel is taking that down, then Lemaissa, again, the Balakosel bears the responsibility for any subsequent damages brought up, brought on by the objects stored in the wall. As the Gemara says, Amravina, this says, Zosomeras, Hamachasa Boro Bidalyo Shalchavero. So this would seem to tell us that what? That if I cover my pit with Ruvain's cover, let's say, let's say Ruvain has a cover, a pit cover, he's not using it now. So I go into his yard and I go ahead and I take his pit cover and I cover my pit. And what happens? But then Ruvain comes back and says, Silver, you took my pit cover without my permission. And he takes it back without telling me. And then what happens? Then something falls into my bar. Right? I'm responsible for that. I'm responsible for that. So we'll say, even though Ruben uncovered my bar without my knowledge, but Lamaisa, because I covered my bar with what? With his cover, I took it without permission, he's permitted to take it back. So the Gemara says, So pshita, means, what, what's, what's, what's the novelty in that? Meaning, at the, at the end of the day, Lamaisa, of course, Ruben can take back his property. So what would I have thought? Hassam, in the case of the coats, in the case of the thorn, Hudalo, Havio, Delode. So I said, I might have thought, in the case of the thorn, in the case of the thorn, so Lamaisa, again, Lamaisa, I don't, if it's, if it's in my wall, I don't know whose thorn this is. I don't know whose thorn is, I don't know who glass, glass is, I don't know who to tell. But in this case, again, where Ruvain knows that he's taking about his pit cover, and he knows that it's my pit, perhaps he has an obligation to tell me that he's uncovering my pit. Kamash will know. Kamash will say that he's permitted to take back his stuff, even without what? Even without saying a word to me. So, so the Gemara says, fine, fine. Kamash will know. Kamash will not like that, that he can take back his stuff, even without telling me. So we'll say, so this is an incredible halacha. So this halacha literally says that Lemaisa, there's a responsibility on the balakosel. There's a responsibility on the owner of the wall to make sure that his wall is, is what we'll call damage-free, or damage force free before he takes it down to Shusarabim. Tanurabanam. So we'll say, the Gimar says now, beautiful, but I say, Chasidim Harishonim, Hayu Matnim Katsoseyem, Uzechuchi Oseyem, Pesoch Sadoseyem. So we'll say, the Chasidim Harishonim, the early pious ones, what they would do is they would hide their thorns and their glass shards 
inside their fields. Those are both sides. The Hasidim HaRishonim wanted to make sure that their objects would not damage anyone. So what did they do? They would hide it in their field. They would hide it in their field. And what would they do? They would dig down and essentially they would bury, they would bury their glass shards and they would bury ultimately again their thorns three tfachim down into the ground. Why three tfachim down into the ground? Because that's deep enough that even when the plow comes by, the plow won't dig enough. And I will say, so it's interesting that the Gemara is choosing to indicate that this is part of what makes a chassid a chassid. A chassid is someone who is preoccupied with the notion of not causing another damage. I don't want to in any way impair the other. Therefore, again, I do, is, do whatever is within my power to remove those potential damaging forces from the, from the purview of the other. So they brought it into their own field, and they buried it deep down. Rava Shadi Bidigla, sorry, Rav Shesha Shadi Labinura. Rav Shesha used to throw his thorns and his glass shards into a fire to totally destroy them. Rava Shadi Labidiglas. Ravi used to throw them into the river. Diglas is a river. If somebody wants to be a chassid, somebody wants to be very pious, so the kaim mili dinazikin. This is an amazing statement. So Rabbi Huda says, if you want to be a chassid, if you want to be very pious, then what you should try to be makbid on is damages. Is damages. And I both understand, mili dinazikin doesn't just simply refer to monetary damages. It means with your mouth, it means with your actions, it means with your property. Meaning, you want to be a chassid, you want to be chassid, you know, being a chassid is being a chassid means being. A mitsuyan, being someone who's proficient in your bit Adam Lachadero. That's what it means to be a chassid. To be someone who never has to shalom damages the other in any way and instead only builds up the other. So the Gemara says, Rava Amar, Rava says, um, Rava says, Mili Da'avas. No, it's not Mili Da'avas, but ultimately, again, it's Mili Da'avas. I will say, what's Mili Da'avas? If you look at Rabbeinu Hananel, he says over here, what does it mean, Mili Da'avas? Pirkevas, Mesechesavas, Moshe Kibel. So what does this mean? You want to be a, you want to be a chassid? We'll say, what's the playbook for being a chassid? Pirkevas. Because Pirkevas has the most important moral ethical lessons. So therefore, if you live a life of Pirkevas, then by definition, you will be a chassid. Va'amrila, and others say, Mili de brachas. Others say, say, if you want to be a chassid, Meseches brachas. What is Meseches brachas? Look at the game, Rabbi Nuchananel. Va'amrili, Mili de brachas. Keda amrila, Asr la adam lehanos mina olam azeb lo bracha. What does it mean, Mili de brachas? You know, the ikra of a bracha is, you can't get benefit from this world without making a bracha. Which is another way of saying, you know what makes a chassid a chassid? When you realize that everything belongs to the Nebona Shalom. When I realize that every single thing I have in this world, big and small, my relationships, my property, my nishama, my breath, my heart, my spouse, my children, when I realize that everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's a chassid. So it's an incredible, incredible, again, there's so much to say on this, but here, again, so what does it take to be a pious individual? Three opinions. That's what it takes. Don't harm the other in, within any way. Number two possibility is moral ethical lessons. Possibility number three, ultimately, again, recognize that everything is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if you recognize that, then what? Then Lamaisa, that's the path to piety. Says the Mishnah. If somebody goes ahead and takes his straw, I will say, so, so Tibno and Kasho refer to two different types of straw. One is processed straw, one is unprocessed straw. Samoti is Tibno Why is a person taking it out? He's taking it out in order to make it, to compost it. 
So what would happen? You would take your straw out of Surabim, you dafka want people to trample on it. Because that's part of the composting process. Then you want to take this back into your field and use it as fertilizer. So what happens? You put your stuff out of Surabim to compost it. And someone is damaged by it. So what's the halacha? Chayev benisko. Say the halacha is, the halacha is, but even though I put it out to compost it, I am chayev in damages. The chala kodem bahem zachar. Interestingly enough, whoever wants to acquire that strong sarabim has the right to do so. So what's an interesting halacha? It sounds like anyone who wants to take the straw is permitted to take the straw. Says, anyone who is mekalkel, anyone ultimately again who goes ahead and does something damaging in Rosh Sarabim, is chayif to pay for his damages. And whoever wants to acquire these objects while they lay in Rosh Sarabim has the ability to do so. Similarly, one who takes a, a, a piece of manure and turns it over, as we already spoke about this case, and as a result, or not as a result, afterwards, someone is damaged. So the turner over is chayiv in damages. So says the Gemara, Leima Masis Nidok Rabbi Huda. So say that our Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Huda. How so? The Sanya, Rabbi Huda Omer, Bishas Hotzaz Zevalim, Adam Motze Zevalur Shrab. So both say there was a time during the year where it was common for people to take out their composting material. And they would go out and they would lay it on Shurabim and they would want the people on the animals' pedestrian traffic to trample over it and to compost it. So Rabbi Huda says that when people bring out their stuff to compost, the Tzovro Koshlo Shimyom, and they're able to pile it in Shurabim for 30 days, Kadeshu Nishof Beragle Adim Uragle Behima, in order that people and animals trampled over it. Shamanas came. And I will say, this was one of the tenoim. This was one of the conditions that Yoshua built into public domains in Rosh Hashanah. I will say, one of the conditions that Yoshua built in to the conquest of Eretz Yisrael is that everyone has equal use of the Rosh Hashanah and that people are permitted to compost their stuff in Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara says the following... So the Gemara says, so therefore, what do you see from here? That Rabbi Yehuda says that people have the Rishos to go ahead and compost their materials in Rishos. Now, say, if somebody has the Rishos to do so, then what? Then the Maisa, number one. They, therefore, again, if I have the Rishos to do it, then what? I shouldn't be high in damages. And number two, if I have the Rishos to do it, then what? Then no one else should be able to come along and take my straw. Yet the Mishnah said that if somebody else comes along and gets damaged, I'm high for damages. And number two, what? If they want to take it, they're permitted to take it. To which the Gemara says, no, 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 I feel Tim Rabbi Huda. You could even say Rabbi Huda, Mold Rabbi Huda, Shem Hizik, Meshalim, Mash Hizik. Because Rabbi Huda agrees that if you go ahead and damage, so you are chayiv for damages. If you say, even Rabbi Huda agrees, who says that you are permitted to go ahead and compost the straw, holds that if what? That if you go ahead and some damage someone with the straw, you are chayiv for damages. Both the same idea that we said in the last sugi, namely, that even when you have a license to do something, nevertheless, what? You still have responsibility for your actions. So the Gemara said, but we learned, Rabbi Hud, Omer, Bener, Chanukah, Pater. Oh, let's remember this. We learned this already in two places, that if somebody puts their Ner Chanukah out, and let's say Reuven brings his camel along, and the load catches on fire because it's ignited by Ner Chanukah, I, the owner of the Ner Chanukah, am Pater. So here you see that when you have, so here you see that, again, here Pater for a damage done, Rosh 
To which the Gemara says, no, 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 the difference over there is Mipnei Shebir Shus. Because that's done, the placement of Nechanik and Rosh is done with permission. My love, Rosh Hashanah, is that not because Bezdin allows me to do it, and therefore because I have the Rosh to put on Rosh and therefore again I put it from damages. So too we should say that what? Therefore, same thing, if I have a license to compost my straw on Rosh and I place it there, and someone else gets damaged, what should be the halacha? What should be the halacha? I should be put there because I did it with Rosh No, no, no. Lo Mishra Rosh Mitzvah. No. When we say Rishos, it's because it's a mitzvah. Meaning, I have an obligation, a mitzvah to put near Hanukkah and Rishos. And then because that there's a mitzvah, that's why I'm exempted from damage done by done by the Ner Hanukkah, to which the Gemara says, Tashma, call Elu Shamar Mutar in the Kalka Bershisarab, um, I'm sorry, Disanya, Rabbi Huda Omer, Bener Hanukkah Potter, Mipnei Shirishus Mitzvah. That's Rabbi Huda says, with Ner Hanukkah, if you put Ner Hanukkah out in the Rishisarabim, and it does damage, you are Potter. Why? Because it was placed there with Rishus. So we'll say, not just simple Rishus, but rather what? Mitzvah Rishus. And when something occurs as a result of Mitzvah, when I, if I damage, but I have the right to have that object there under the rishus of a mitzvah, I am not high for damage is done. So we'll say, so again, so right now we have two different categories. You can have rishus to place something in your surah, like composting your straw, but even though you have the right to place it down there, you nevertheless what? You have the responsibility for damages. So I have the right to place it, but responsibility for damages. Then there's a different kind of rishus called rishus mitzvah. When it comes to rishus mitzvah, we'll say, what's the halacha? Not only do I have rishus to place it there, but what? I'm absolved from damages. Again, assuming I acted in a responsible manner, I'm absolved from damages. Tashma, called Elu Shalom Mutarn Sarabim, all of those cases where you're permitted to go ahead and literally be makalkal, do something that has the potential to cause damage in Sarabim, in Heziko Chayav Mashalim. So you're permitted to do it, but. If it did damage, you're chayef to pay. Rabbi Huda Pot, Rabbi Huda exempts one from damage in that case. Amr Nachman, Masnisin Rabbi Hudihi. Our Mishnah must be talking about a case where what? Where it's not the time where people normally go ahead and take out waste or take out stuff. Let me say it differently. It's not the compost season. Not the compost season. And the, the Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Huda. So the Gemara says, Remember again, so it's not, it's not compost season. So if it's not compost season, then what they're both saying? Then what? Then no one has the right to put straw out. If no one has the, put, the right to put straw out, then what? Then the mic says, if somebody's damaged, then what? The owner of the straw is high. Now the mission makes sense. That's why also, if you put your straw out during non-compost season, then what? If someone else comes along and takes that straw, they're permitted to do so. Because putting it out during non-compost season, such as making it hefker. So the Gemara says, Ravashi, Ravashi says, on the base. Tivno v'kasho t'nan. So Gemara says, here's the difference. The Mishnah Davka chose a case of Tevin and Kash. Because remember, Tevin and Kash are processed and unprocessed straw. Now, why does the Mishnah choose those cases? Rashi says, Because there's a fear of slippage in this area, meaning straw becomes slippery. So because straw becomes slippery, that's where, again, there's the fear of damage. Rashi says, so ultimately, the Mishnah's case, Dafka, is with the case of Tevin and Kash. And that's because, again, in those cases, there's a slippage issue. So because there's a slippage issue, it is clear that, again, you are putting something that has the danger to, that has the capacity to create danger or to create damage. And therefore, again, you're going to be higher for that. Versus Rabbi Huda's understanding that we're talking about what? 
We're talking about manure. I will say that the chap with manure is there's no danger of slippage. So because there's no danger of slippage, that's what Rabbi Huda might say that lamaisa again you could put it out, and if somebody gets damaged, you may not be high for those damages. Why? Because lamaisa I've not put out something that is really capable of affecting damage. Fine. So I will say so again. We're left with a machlokis over here. What appears to be a machlokas. Ultimately, again, the Rabbi Huda holds. Rabbi Huda seems to say that when you're permitted to go ahead, it was machlokas. Rabbi Huda is Rabbi Huda saying that when you have the rishus to put something out, Rabbi Huda may say not only do you have the license to do so, but that license also absolves you of responsibility. Versus the Tana of our Mishnah who holds that no. When you have the license to put something out, you have the license for placement. But what? That does not absolve you of responsibility. Says the Yemar Kala Kodim Zachabohan, Amarab. So we'll remember again, the Mishnah also said that when you put out straw, even during the composting season, so what's the halacha? What's the halacha? Whoever gets it first, whoever gets it first, ultimately could take it. In other words, that your act of putting it out in the Shuram essentially is an act of hefker. And whoever acquires it, acquires it. Amarav, Rav said, Bain begufan, bain bishvachan. So Rav said, well, you're permitted to acquire both sides. Now, the Gemara is assuming over here that there are two parts to the straw. There's what we call the, the, the principle of the straw, which is just the ikra value of the straw. And then there's the shevach, meaning... The act of composting, apparently composted straw is more valuable than we'll call raw straw. So when you place your straw out in a straw and it's being composted, there are two values associated with that straw. There's the guf, there's the actual what we call the keren, like the, 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 the original value of the straw, and then there's the shevach, the increased value of the straw. So the shayla now is when the Mishnah says that whoever finds the straw can keep it, what are you permitted, what, what part of the value are you permitted to keep? So Rav said, <laughs> you could keep the ikra value as well as the appreciated value. Zi'iri amr b'shvachan aval b'gufan lo, aval lo b'gufan. Ziri says, no, you could keep the appreciation, but you cannot keep the ikr value, meaning the, the, the core value of the straw. So in my kemiflagi, so we'll say, so again, just let's see how that would manifest itself. So let's say now Ruben put out his, his straw to compost. It's been composting for the last 20 days. I come and I take it. I take it. So Ruben comes and says, give me back my straw. So am I chayv to give him back anything? According to Rav, I'm not chayv to give him back anything. I can keep all of it. According to Ziiri, I can keep the appreci- appreciation amount, but I have to pay him the core value of the straw. So what are they arguing about? Rav Sabar, Khan Sagufan, Mishum Shavachan. They will say, now here, you have to understand something. So why is it that I am permitted to take the straw to begin with? In other words, if Lamaisa, again, we say that people have a right to put their straw out to compost, why do I have a right to take it? So the answer is, it's a knas. It's a penalty. The rabbis penalized the one who put out his straw in Rishurabim. Why? Because it will say, if you put out your straw, as much as, here's the interesting part, as much as technically you have the legal right to put out the straw, the rabbis are going to penalize you. Why? Because lemaisa, again, you are creating a danger for the public. And when you create a danger for the public, how, how do the rabbis penalize you? Someone else could take your straw. The shayla is, how much of your straw can they take? So the Gemara says, so Rav Savar, so Rav says that the penalty was, we allowed the finder to take. In reality, we should only allow you to go ahead and take the shavach, but ultimately the additional knas is we allow you to take the guf, the ikra value as well. Uzi'iri savar, lo kansu gufan mishum shavachan. And Zi'iri says, no, the knas is only on the shavach, but not on the guf. So tenan, ha'ofeich es ha'galah b'shosra'am v'chosek mahen, 
Both might not bless you. If somebody goes in and turns over a piece of Nurse Surabim, someone else gets, gets injured on it. Chayiv Benisko. Ultimately, again, the manure turner is going to be chayiv because of damages. Interestingly enough, by the manure, the Mishnah doesn't say that what? The Mishnah doesn't say that whoever acquires the manure is going to, acquires it. The Mishnah never makes that statement. So, tunnel arrange. So, you hear what the Gemara is picking up on? Why is it that by the case of the straw, the Mishnah said whoever gets the straw first acquires it? By, by the case of the manure, the Mishnah never says that. So the Gemara says it's not a kasha. The Mishnah stated it once in the beginning by the case of the straw, and it equally applies in the Seifa by the case of the manure. I have a hot honey, Allah, Shur Mishum Gezel. I'll say, here's the problem. We have another Brisa that says that's what? That you can't take the straw. Why? Because it's theft, it's Gezel. So what's going on over here? Kika Tani Mishum Gezel. So I will say, ultimately, again, when the Mishnah says that it's Asr Mishum Gezel, Kikatani Asr Mishum Gezel, Akula Mas Nisin Koi, Laosa Shekodem Vizacha, look at Rashi, Ve'ilu Kalakodem, I'm sorry, not yet. So therefore the Gemara says, Vahalo Katani Achi, but yet we didn't learn this. So we'll say, see, we're trying to understand over here, the Mishnah is inherently contradictory. Why? Because on one hand, the Mishnah says what? The Mishnah says that, Lamaisa, again, whoever goes ahead and acquires, the Mishnah says, whoever acquires the, whoever acquires the straw, ultimately has the ability to acquire it. Yet the Braise says that what? The Chayav Mishum Gezel. You're Chayav because of theft. So what's going on over here? So the Gemara says, Listen to this Braise. Somebody takes out his Tevin and his Kash. His Shronzer And someone gets damaged on it. Chayiv Benisko. Ultimately, again, I, the owner of the straw, am chayiv in damages. The chalakodeh bahem zacha, whoever acquires the straw has the right to do so. Umutar mishum gezel. And I both said there is no issue of theft. Yet, if one goes in and turns over the piece of manure and Rishon and someone else is damaged from it, you are chayiv, meaning the turner is chayiv for the damage, and also there's an issue of theft. So what's going on over here? So why is it, I'm chayyeh for theft, I'm chayyeh for theft for the manure, but yet, again, I'm not chayyeh, I'm not chayyeh for theft because of the straw. So what's going on? So you can't compare the case of the manure to the case ultimately of the straw. So when it comes ultimately again to something that appreciates, so the knas, the rabbis penalized the owner of the object and said that you're going to go ahead and get to keep the appreciation as well as the guf. So the Gemara says, but ultimately something that does not appreciate. So the Gemara says, lo, I'm sorry, the rabbis ultimately, again, did not penalize you, and therefore what? And therefore you don't even acquire even the goof of the item. Therefore the Gemara is suggesting is the following. Minor, which does not appreciate when placed in Rosh Sarabim, one does not acquire it. One cannot just simply take someone else's manure. And therefore, the mice, again, if you do take someone else's manure, you are chayef for that. Versus straw, which does appreciate in Rosh Sarabim, the rabbis penalize the owner of the straw. And therefore, said if someone else takes the straw, the mice, again, they are chayef mishum gezel. Excuse me, they are not chayef mishum gezel. There is no issue of theft. Ibailuhu, suppose that you know what we're going to stop over here for today. A lot to do. So I think... Um,
All right, stay, stay, stay tuned. We'll see. Either we'll start 545 or I'll record this later on in Mirat Hashem. But, uh, all right, you'll, you'll keep on. If you're not on the WhatsApp, sign up on the WhatsApp with Sayyid. Well said that. Right, so we'll stop here. We'll, see. we'll pick up in Mirat Hashem with the rest of this later. So we continue on Lamed Amud Beis 30B in the second part of today's daf, Ibai Luhu. So the Gemara says it's about midway down the daf. Ibai Luhu, the Divrei HaOmer Kansal Gufa Mishum Shavacha. According to the opinion who says that we penalize the individual who put out his straw to compost his straw, that we penalize him not just in terms of the shavach, the improvement, but in terms of the karen, the guf, what we call the, the primary value of the straw itself. So la alter kansinon o lichimaisi shvachan kansinon. Do we penalize him immediately? I mean immediately upon putting down the straw? Or does we have to wait until the straw itself appreciates? So the Gemara says, Mid Tashma Akaryon Galal. So the Gemara answers from the fact that the Mishnah included the case of manure seems to indicate to us that Lemaiso Chazal penalized the individual who is composting his straw, even from the moment he put it out in Rushasarabim, even before it had a chance to improve. Because because since it's bringing down the case of menor, so the 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 ganga the the gilolin the the menor is something that does not improve at all. Vitisbira asks the gemara, but one second, ki irinon galol mikamei Lashani rav nachman. But before when we're talking about the galol, so that was before rav nachman gave his particular answer. Look at Rashi. Rashi says ki irinon galol mikamei deshani rav nachman dohavisvir alon. So remember again, this was before Rav Nachman made his statement that even something that is not going to appreciate, Rav still says that the rabbinic penalty applies. Also again, if there's going to be a rabbinic knas by something that doesn't improve, so all the more so if the item does improve, the rabbinic penalty will be in place from the beginning. To which the Gemara says, but ultimately, again, after Rav Nachman gave his answer, is there any room to bring up Galal, to bring up the case of the menor as a Shiloh? So, it says the Gimar, in fact, this is a Machlok So, if you have a document, a loan document, that includes in it a provision for Ribis, a provision for charging interest, so we penalize the lender. It's an amazing idea. Rabbi Meir says that if you lend with interest, the rabbis penalized you. And not only can you not collect the interest, but you also can't collect the karen. You can't collect the principal. The chachamim say, You can collect the karen, the principal, but you can't collect the interest. So we'll say, so let's, let's assume that... Rav, Rav who said above on the top of the Ahmed that when you put out the straw to compost, the rabbis penalize you both with the improvements as well as the core value of the straw. So let's see, he holds like Rabbi Meir who holds that when you lend with interest, both the principal as well as the interest are uncollectible. And Ziiri who says that the penalty only applies to the appreciation of the straw would hold like the Chachamim who say that you could, the lender could still collect the principal but can't collect the interest. So Rav would say to you, my position is in accordance even with the Rabbanon. How so? So the rabbis only said their case 
in the case of Karen, because ultimate meaning in the in the case of Karen, because ultimately the Karen, meaning the the primary principle of the loan, is a permitted transaction. But over here with the straw, even before it appreciates, the straw itself has the capacity to damage. It is the first wide line on Lamin Amud Beis. Uziiri Amar Zi'iri will say to you, So Zi'iri will say, my position is even in accordance with Rabbi Meir. How so? So remember, when it comes to interest, the prohibition of interest and the prohibition on the transaction is from the time you wrote up the loan, do- loan document. In other words, from the beginning, the transaction itself was flawed. But in the case of the straw, maybe again, no hezek, maybe no damage will ever happen. To which the Gemara so say in reality that this is like the Machlokes of the following time. If somebody goes in and takes out his straw to Rishis Arabim to compost it, and someone else gets damaged on the straw or is damaged as a result of the straw, Chayiv Benisko. Ultimately, the owner of the straw is responsible for any damages. But whoever goes ahead and acquires the straw, Zacha, ultimately acquires it. Yet again, the straw itself, one may not go ahead and take the straw, meaning to take this. So it's interesting, we'll note this contradiction. On one hand, the Braise says that the straw essentially is ownerless, and therefore anyone can take it. But if you take it, you're Chai Mishum Gezel because of theft. Whoever goes ahead and does something destructive in Rosh Sarabim, and as a result, and as a result, injures someone, is obligated to pay. Whoever acquires the straw first is entitled to do so. And ultimately, again, there is no prohibition of theft. So asks the Gemara, the first part of this price is problematic. Why? Because at first you said that when someone puts out the straw, the rabbis essentially made their straw hefker, and therefore anyone could acquire it. And yet then afterwards you said that if you take the straw, the straw is usher because of theft. So which one is it? This is what it means to say. Maybe what it means is that whoever takes it, taking it, the it refers to the appreciation. That you're permitted to, anyone is permitted to take the appreciation. But when the Mibraith is said that you can't take it because it's gezel, because it's theft, perhaps that's referring to the guf, to the principle, to the, to the original part of the straw. And and if Shemeng Amil comes along to say that, no, you want, once someone puts their straw out into Rosh Hashanah anyone is permitted to take the straw, even, even the, we'll call it the principal part of the straw. And therefore, again, the Gemara says, Liziiri vaday tanahi. So according to the opinion of Ziiri, this is certainly a machlok yastanayim. Lerav. But according to Rav, ultimately, again, would we say that this is a machlok yastanayim? Rav would say to you the following. So Rav will say like this. Everyone holds that ultimately the penalty for putting your straw out in the public domain is that the Rav, that anyone could take the appreciation as well as the straw itself, meaning the ikr, the core, the principal part of the straw. So what's the machlokis over here? It's actually quite interesting. That the dispute over here is sometimes in halacha, we know that the halacha follows in a particular direction, 
but we don't necessarily advise people to act in that way. So look at Rashi here for just a moment. So Rav will explain this brace in the following way. Rav will say that the Rabbonon say that halacha lamaisa, it's true. If you put your straw out in the Rosh to compost, the rabbis said that anyone could come and take your, your appreciation as well as the principal part. But in Morinkin, in other words, we don't proactively advise someone to do this. So if someone did it, they're entitled to keep it. But if you ask the Shaila, should I do this or not, we would tell you it's Gezel, we would tell you it's theft, i.e. we would tell you not to do this. On the other hand, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, no, that halacha umorinkin, this is the halacha, that when you compost your strong sarabim, ultimately, again, anyone is permitted to take it, both the principle as well as the appreciation, and halacha lamaisa, this is how we would actively advise people as well. So says the Gemara, the Itmar of Huna Amarav, halacha vein morinkin. So remember, Afuna said in the name of Rav, this is the halacha, that when one composts their strong sarabim, ultimately, again, the straw, both the principle as well as the appreciation become hefker. Anyone could acquire it. But we don't advise people to act in this way. And Rav Adbar Ava says this is indeed a halacha, and we do instruct people to follow in this path. Is this so? But ultimately, again, yet we know Rav Huna was Mafkir Chushle. Rashi says over here, Afkir Chushle, Soorin Kilufin, Sheshatach Ish Echad Birshos Harabim. He's talking about peeled barley, peeled barley that someone spread out in Rosh Harabim ultimately in order to go ahead and dry it out. And Rav Huna, Vaafkir Chushle, I'm sorry, Vaha Rav Huna, Afkir Chushle. So Rav Huna himself went ahead and was Mafkir someone's peeled barley that he put out in Rosh Harabim. Rav Adabar Ava, Afkir, Silikusta. And Ravada Bar Abba went ahead and was mafkir silikusta. Rashi says silikusta is psolas itzure temarim shasim and shecha. These are leftover dates after they've been used to make beer. So you see that these rabbis are going ahead and proactively being mafkir these items. Bishlam Ravada Bar Abba kishmaite. So Ravada Bar Abba is fine. That's in accordance with his logic. He already expressed this idea that both the guf, that both the will call the principle as well as the appreciation is hefker. El Rav Huna lema hadrebe. But ultimately, perhaps Rav Huna recanted his position to which the gemara. Says to which the to which the Gemara says Hano Mutarin Havu Hano Mutarin Havu. In other words, in this case, the Gemara suggests that these individuals were pro, were warned prior, and because they were warned repeatedly prior to this, ultimately again, therefore, as a penalty, because they ignored prior warnings, these rabbis were mafkir their property in its entirety. So, I suggest you know the halacha lemaisa on this, the Shulchan Aruch in Choshen Mishpat. This is in Simin Tafyod Dalit Sif Aleph Paskins and says the following: Lo Yotzi Adam a person should not take his straw out into the public domain in order that people should trample on it and compost it. So the Hastalach, one should not take it out. However, if you placed your straw in if you did so, the rabbis made your straw like Hefker, and whoever wants to acquire it could do so from the moment that the straw begins to appreciate. Mihu, yesh omrim deimor ki lechatchila lahachzik rak b'shevach avalo begufo ve'im 
Ultimately, again, read the Ramah writes that there are those who say that we do not we do not encourage people to go ahead and do this. However, if the owners were warned repeatedly not to put their stuff in Rosh Hashanah, then the entire item, both the guf, the principal, as well as the shevach, are both become hefker. But the halacha is that if somebody took possession of the straw from the moment that it was put into the Rosh Hashanah, even before it appreciates, ultimately, again, we do not extract the straw from the person who took it. In other words, that, that we're going to see that halacha lamaisa, essentially, the rabbinic penalty is, if you put something in Rosh Hashanah, it automatically becomes hefker from the moment you place it out there. And even though, again, ultimately, it's like Hefker, So this is very interesting. As much as the rabbinic penalty says that your straw is going to be Hefker, yet in the event that someone gets injured on it, you still have responsibility. So this goes back to this principle that we see being espoused over and over and over, namely, that there are times where although you do not have ownership over something, you still have responsibility. So in this case, when you place the rabbis made it hefker. Technically, anyone could come and take it. But yet, if someone gets injured, the person who placed the owner of the straw, the person who placed it on will still have that responsibility and liability. All right, the most of you will stop over here. Mir Tashem will pick up on the Mishnah on Lamed Aleph, Amud Aleph tomorrow. Wishing everyone a wonderful day.